baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. People want to make pornos, let them make pornos, you know? You ever said What's that on the air deal? before? No, nah, it's the first time I've ever said it. But you're more than welcome to make a porno if you want to. But uh, apparently not if you're the chancellor at the University of Wisconsin Lacrosse, And uh, probably not if you're employed by a number of other entities, I would think. Well, we've already talked about the Missouri teacher from about a month or two ago who was let go of her job, um, elementary school teacher, because she had an OnlyFans account. Which seems to be what was going on here as well, that it was, a, and, it was an OnlyFans account. And she said, well... I make more money on OnlyFans, so all right. Have some of that. Because teachers here are so poorly paid in this state, one of the worst in the country, which needs to be rectified. Um, at any rate, so... In university- this situation, I imagine the uh, the pay disparity is going the other direction. You know, I imagine he was making significantly more as chancellor of a university, albeit a satellite campus, than running I'm not sure an about OnlyFans that. account. I'm not sure about that, brother. Because you can make a great amount of money on OnlyFans if you're uh, conducting porn sessions. Well, so sure, universe- but you is a, is a general term, and it depends on who the person is. You know, the, most of these teachers we were talking about were uh, young ladies in their 20s. You know, this is a, a, there's a market. For, there's a market for everything, Nate. Okay. So University of Wisconsin Lacrosse Chancellor Joe Gao was denied a pay raise five years ago, and uh, this was because he invited a porn actress to speak on campus. This happened five years ago. This week, in fact, yesterday, he was then fired by the uh, Board of Regents. They got together and unanimously voted to relieve him of his duties of chancellor of the university because he was engaging in uh, porn on, as you mentioned already, OnlyFans and websites like Pornhub. Which, uh, by the way, if you Google this story, and this is how I, I found the story on Google, because I had heard about it, but I needed to find the actual news article. Uh, if you Google uh, Wisconsin lacrosse porn, there <laughs> apparently why would you Google it that? Because way? that's how I. Well, if I you did that, that to yourself, the the, the whatever the, you're about to say came up, you did it to yourself. One of the top results is up there. It's right there on the on one of the porn sites. I didn't click on it because it's a work computer. But yeah, you've anyway, already been flagged for that Google search. Well, it, it's show research, man. There's only so much research you're allowed to do. So um, on an account on X, they go by Joe and Carmen, and um, they invite porn actors onto their personal show to cook with them while clothed, and then they later engage in sexual acts reserved for people who subscribe to the porn site. So it's not just out there. You can't get it for free. You have to actually subscribe. So the Board of and Regents... And they're not, even if they're not using last names on the videos, you can they're see making they no effort. You know, I, I, I went to the Twitter page, which is at oh, Sexy site, Happy Couple, not the OnlyFans, just mm-hmm. the X page. Okay. Okay. Just one X hey, on the page, see, not you, the you X, can do whatever X, you want. X page. I want not, you... not on Odyssey Wi-Fi, I can't. You're, you're autonomous, and you can do whatever you want. And I feel like Joe Gow. How am I getting a hard time? You're the one who Googled UW lacrosse porn. 
No, I just said, yeah, well, how else was I going to find the story? All I did is read a news article and go to their, their ex That's handle. what I did. That's okay. what I did. It's at Sexy Happy Couple, and the, the cover photo, which unless they've changed it in the last 24 or so hours since this story broke, it was yesterday that this was reported. Yeah, Wednesday he was fired. So unless they've changed it since yesterday, the cover photo is him and his wife just staring right into the camera, smiling, a normal photo of the two of them, and it's been posting videos or screenshots from videos, all of their fully clothed cooking mm-hmm. videos, um, regularly, I would say at least once a month on average for the better part of the last three years. And in most of them, you can clearly see him. In some cases, they've even uploaded like full 20, 30-minute videos of the cooking going on, and, and you can easily see him. You call it cooking. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, so ahead, I'm, I'm surprised. Uh, it's just interesting to me that he didn't think – it suggests to me that he didn't think this was an issue at all in relation to his employment as chancellor of UW Lacrosse because he's made no real effort to conceal his identity in any significant way outside of not giving his last name directly online, which many people do just for basic privacy concerns. It has nothing to do. It's not concealing his identity. I, I don't know. It's, well, it's the, odd to me. Is, I feel like you would know that, that your bosses probably wouldn't love this. Yeah, but why? why should they not love it? What's the problem with it? This is not a university is a place for adults. It's, it's a true. public university. This is not. It, he, and, and I, I have um, I, I don't feel as strongly about the elementary school teacher or the high school teacher who was let go because she has an OnlyFans account. I still don't know if that's the right thing for them to do. But certainly when we're talking about people in college, they are adults. They are they are 18 years old. They are allowed to do adult things. So who are we protecting? What's the what is the what is the harm in this person doing something on the side? Like that doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother you, but I, I don't think it's surprising I don't know why it that among people. older academics it would bother some of them because universities are engaged constantly in the business of burnishing their reputations. And as uh-huh. a chancellor or president of a university, you do very little by way of actual education and you do a lot by way of outreach and fundraising and general reputation building. And that's one of the focuses of the the uh, statement issued by Jay Rothman, who is the president of the University of Wisconsin System. And he said, in recent days, we learned of specific conduct by Dr. Gao that has subjected the university to significant reputational harm. And I think that is... Legitimate. Whether you think it's it's fair or not, whether it harms the reputation of UW Lacrosse in your eyes or not, is largely immaterial because the concern would be: does it harm the reputation of the university among the general public, as might relate to ap- application volume, student retention, and especially donations? And a lot of the wealthy donors are maybe not going to be thrilled about sending donations to a guy who has an OnlyFans now. That statement from the system president well, continued the donors. With, a, with a statement that said his actions were abhorrent. Yeah, well, and that, on, I think, is just flat come out these guys are These guys are so ridiculous because I guarantee you that every single one of them, if not still, at one point of their lives regularly um, watched or looked at or whatever some of this material for themselves. I guarantee you they did. So to act like, oh, my gosh, I... I'm so upset by this, and how can I 
how can we possibly have this man on our staff when they're consuming that kind of material? And you cannot convince me otherwise. That right, and how is there a moral difference between production and consumption in this context? There, there really isn't. isn't. So um, according to the Wisconsin State Journal, uh, the what the authors of of this uh, of this they had a blog and uh, the books um, as part of the website too that what they were trying to do is make a sex positive environment for couples who maybe you know who would watch it. And, and it seems like healthy yeah. living was part that's, of it too. He was a vegan, it. and it's a, it's about healthy cooking. That's the the name, not the at which is Sexy Happy Couple, but the name of the account is Sexy Healthy that seems, Cooking. That seems to me to be a public service. In some you're ways. Doing, you're doing great things for couples out there so, who, might need, who might need a little sex positivity. Based on the, some of the reports that I've been reading, it sounds like they're not going to be terminating his employment, that they will be terminating him as he chancellor, was, which he has been for 17 years, and he, he was going to retire to the faculty and then probably retire. I don't think whatever retirement benefits he would be entitled to, it doesn't sound like that's going to be affected. I don't think they're trying to terminate his employment for cause, which would be difficult at a public university. Uh, he has asserted that this is that he has First Amendment rights here that cover this, also that perhaps he hasn't been entitled to due process, and all of those things are more relevant because he works for a public institution. Uh, the long and short of it is, I think, if I were him, I would have probably wanted to test the waters in on this in some way with my bosses before I started doing it, because I think it was easy to anticipate that some of the uh, higher-ups might be uncomfortable with it, rightly or wrongly. I also think it's wrong for them to treat him as though he's some kind of moral deviant, uh, simply for doing something that is totally legal with other consenting adults. I think he should be uh, allowed to live. Let well, this, let, allowed this man, to live. Uh, let this man live. Let this man be the chancellor of the university until he decides to retire. Because I think what he's done is he has presented himself as an example for other young adults that they should be able to do whatever they want as long as it doesn't hurt other people. The, uh, the porn actress, by the way, that he invited back in 2018 to speak to students was uh, Nina Hartley. You know Nina Hartley? She was in Boogie Nights. Hmm. You ever seen Boogie Nights? I have not. You've not seen Boogie Nights? But was it released before Mark I was Wahlberg. born? Mark Wahlberg's in it. Uh, Burt Reynolds is in it. Um, uh, Phil- Philip Seymour Hoffman. You've got uh It was released John in C. October Riley. of 1997. I uh, was 16 months old. Bro. So I was not you're yet al- old you're, enough. Yes, but you're allowed to go back and watch movies. I will. I will. It's such a great... I think it won... I know it was nominated for Oscars. Yeah, it, I don't know if it won anything, but it was nominated for a few. It was. It's so good. It's very good. But maybe Burt Reynolds won for supporting actor or something that, like that. That might be right. A, uh, William H. Macy is in it, and Nina Hartley plays his wife. Uh, it's just, it's an incredible movie. You've you've got to go back and watch it if you haven't. But anyway, he invited her to come speak, and they uh, punished him for that. Hmm. This was back in 2018. Which, Seems again, like a, would have been a signal to him that probably his own porn production would not be well-received by those same yeah, well, people. Well, screw those people, because okay. they're, they're looking at it absolutely the wrong way. I'm just saying that's... Uh, he, These are adults. He, These he has students certain, are adults. They are not children. He has a certain level of freedom that comes from his age and uh, whatever retirement savings accounts he has. I assume if you decided you wanted to start an OnlyFans, Chris, you would probably uh, check with your bosses before... 
baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. For doing that. I can check with them. I'll just, I'll just uh, wear a mask. It, right, it, but that okay. He made no effort to conceal his identity. We went through that. I think you he's would a handsome anticipate. guy too. I bet I he bet he'll do really looking. well. And now he's out there, right? So now everybody knows about this story. They're going to be paying attention to it. Yeah, how oh, much man, money this... is he going to get? Didn't Larry oh. Flint uh, make a huge offer to one of those teachers? Like, I'll give you a, you know your annual teaching salary to come do one night or something like that. I, I oh, th- I'm, I'm sure that happens all the time. Yeah, and and so maybe he's going to get some of those same offers. Well. He was going to retire anyway. He's fine. But I think we need to be less uptight about stuff, especially things like this. Uh, 314-436-7900. That's Nate Gatter. I'm Chris Ranji. You've got KMOX. This is the Chris and Amy show on KMOX. Nate Gatter is in for Amy Marks' course today. She'll be back next week in 2024. I am Chris Ranji. The number is 314-436-7900. So, um... We, I think, probably the biggest topic of conversation, if it's not number one, it's it's in the top five for sure, has been inflation over about the last year and a half. And there was an article written today, Nate, about the idea of greedflation. Now, as we know, the inflation numbers have been steadily declining over the last several months and getting closer to normal levels uh, the Fed has raised interest rates, and there could be a, a, a time coming when they cut those rates a little bit. But the purpose was to prevent a recession while also cooling reflation, uh, inflation. And it looks like we have maybe gotten to that safe zone. At any rate, we know stuff is more expensive. Food has been more expensive. A lot of costs have been more expensive. Groceries, which we have talked about, the one thing that most people notice uh, the most is how much it is to go to the grocery store, that a lot of things are a lot more expensive than they used to be. Well, there is an idea called greedflation, and this was something that was brought up and wasn't given the term greedflation when we talked about it, but it was more the idea that there are companies around the globe, nationally here, Europe, South Africa, all over the world, who used the pandemic and used inflation as an excuse to jack up prices beyond the point they needed to jack those prices up. Well, this story from Fortune magazine, uh, which is covering a study done by IPPR and Commonwealth, found that some of the world's biggest companies forced prices significantly higher than their costs during 2022. And as we know, Inflation here got a little over 9% in uh, around the world. In Europe, it was over 11%. So we know inflation was a problem. But there are multiple companies who were using that as an excuse to raise prices on you. And the effect of that is they had a built-in excuse. They can just say, well, sorry, what do you want us to do? It's a uh, it's really bad time, inflation, you know, supply chain, which was an issue. But this study is suggesting 
that companies have used it beyond what they needed to just to make extra profit. And for me, Nate, I I always felt like this was probably happening. I'm sure there were companies who were adjusting their prices exactly in line with inflation and not trying to take advantage of the situation. But I think that we need to be more diligent when it comes to things like this and be more skeptical when a company tells us, yeah, sorry, eggs have to go up by $2 a, a, a dozen. We have no choice. We have to. And then we just accept it as, well, look at what inflation's done to this company. When in reality, what probably happened is they're seeing how far they can push it. Why are we not smart enough in that regard? Why are we not skeptical enough to say, well, wait a minute. I don't think this is all inflation. I think you're taking advantage of the situation. Well, there's also a question of power imbalance, isn't there? That that for some Americans, this could be people who live in relatively rural areas and only have one grocery store, say, that's that's within 20 miles of them or something like, along those lines. Or it could be something closer to maybe laziness. We could call it inertia, where people are in the habit of going to a particular grocery store. And when they're there, some of the items are around the same price. Some of them are a little more expensive. And then a few of them feel like they're gouging. Are you going to make a second stop at another grocery store just because your eggs have gone up by $2 and maybe you know, you're spending 10 extra dollars altogether? Are you going to make another stop? Is it worth your time? How much time would you be willing to spend to save $10? And uh, you know, I, that number is going to be different for everyone. I do think generally uh, the American consumer is the average American consumer is maybe not as discerning as I would prefer they are. Um, I really, this is a personal thing, but I really resent feeling like I'm getting taken advantage of. Uh, so it's one of the reasons yeah. I'm very unwilling to do something. If, if something is advertised to me, if I find some, out about something through advertising, a sale or a particular product, it has to really knock my socks off because my initial instinct is if I was exposed to this through advertising, I don't want it. Because, because I you feel, feel like, like they're, they're I'm getting manipulated, taking advantage, yeah. right? Obviously, this company knows way more about this general transaction than I do. They know here's how much we can afford to spend to advertise to get this person to come in and buy this thing, and even after we spend that, and we spend the money to produce the product, and we spend the money on the people who staff the store where we're selling it, or maybe we spend the money to ship it to him or whatever. Here's how much profit we're still making. And I don't like generating profit for other people, right? There's nothing bad about it. It's how capitalism works. But I don't like feeling like I'm getting taken advantage of. It's one of the reasons people who know me know that I very, very rarely uh, buy food and drink at stadiums. I'm just unwilling to spend $20 at Bush Stadium for a cheeseburger and French fries that I know are which, not worth nearly that much. Which, by the way, it's, 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 that is not a Bush Stadium thing. It's everywhere. No, it's, it's not, it's it's not it's a really, and In fact, the only one that I am fully aware of that doesn't really gouge a stadium that doesn't gouge. We're Atlanta. talking pro- professional sports. It's it's Mercedes Benz in Atlanta, where everything is literally five dollars. Yeah, and, and other it, than that, it, right? And so it's not gouging in the sense it's not wrong for the Cardinals to charge that if people are willing to pay it. That's and what it's it in comes line, down to, and it's in line with the rest of the industry. It's almost by definition not gouging. It's just capitalism. You're charging the price that people are willing to pay. I am just not willing to pay that because I know that cheeseburger and french fries on the open market, if we weren't here in the confines of a stadium, would be worth 4 or $5. In many cases, it's not as good as what you could get at McDonald's. What I'm saying is we, we should not let 
large companies off the hook. Right. Don't, so that, don't, so but that, the only way to do that is to change buying but habits. But that's not what we did. You're right about or that. Or regulate, let me get to, which we're get not going to do. Second. What, what we did, though, during the last year and a half was say, oh, look at this president's policies. Come on, man. Inflation around the world was high. That was not a an American uh, presidential administration's policies making 11% inflation in Europe. He didn't. He was not... He did not cause that to happen. And when a company is charging you 2 or $3 for a product more than they need to and then blaming inflation on it, why aren't we smart enough to say, well, hold on a second. Are you sure you need to charge us this or are you pushing it as far as you can push it to see how much we're willing to spend? But that's why I don't think it's a question of intelligence. I think a lot of people are smart enough to recognize that it's what can the individual? I don't know, do? man. I, Are you going to walk up to the, I, I the think, clerk at the front of the grocery store and say, "Hey, you're no, overcharging no, no. me for this"? You, well, no. It's it's that's not what I'm saying. People were not blaming companies for it. They were not blaming, oh, just blaming the man, Biden. And you're well, saying just, that's, just yeah, they're blaming policies because but even if they it do became blame a political companies. thing. And I'm not saying that that he had nothing to do with inflation, and that there weren't some policies that may have driven it up a bit. But it's also hard to make that argument. When the rest of the world was dealing with it worse than we were, the developed world had higher inflation than we had. So I, I, it, it's hard to make that argument. What I want us to do is just be smarter and more skeptical of companies instead of saying, ah, yeah, you know, they have to do what they have to do. Inflation, you know, supply chain. Ah, what do you expect? It's a perfect built-in excuse to jack up prices to, you were talking about testing the waters with, um, with uh, you know, being the chancellor of University of Wisconsin Lacrosse and seeing how much porn you can get away with. These teams, these these companies are getting away with seeing how much they can charge you and how much you'll spend. And guess what? What you said a moment ago is correct. We're still buying, and because we're still buying, that's why prices don't come down. Right. So that's the only way to make I misunderstood your point in that part of what you're saying is even if we're not able to change what they're doing, we at least recognize what's directing our anger. That's correct. And I agree. That is absolutely. And then the question would be how much can we actually do to impact this? I don't know. Stop buying as much. But try, I think you can try to be discerning in that regard, and you're benefiting not only yourself, but uh, other Americans as well. That's Nate Gatter. I'm Chris Ranji. Uh, we're going to talk to Matt Pauley when we come back. Our sports fella joins us. We've got a big Mizzou Cotton Bowl coming up tomorrow. We'll get Matt Pauley's thoughts on it next on KMOX. It's the Chris and Amy show on KMOX every weekday, 10 to 1. Chris Ranji and Nate Gatter. Nate is in for Amy Marks Cores. And it is Thursday at 1130, which means... It's our regular visit with our guy, our sports fella, Matt Pauley, who joins us on the Quiver River Electric guest line this morning. Matthew, how are you doing? I am doing good. How are you guys doing? Well, we're doing great. And uh, tonight you've got a countdown to opening day, correct? We do. It's kind of a uh, reflection on 2023. So we've got a few things up our sleeves for tonight. And this Cardinals report is brought to you by Renner Garage Door, R-E-N-N-E-R, forward and back. Family-owned and top-rated, RennerDoorSTL.com. Do want to get to Mizzou football in a moment, but let's uh, let's go ahead and start with the Cardinals. This is the last time we will talk before the new year, unless you text me, unless you uh, unless you call me just to see how I'm doing. But um, <laughs> as we're, why not? Oh, if you get into a fight, 
you have to tell me about it. You know that. So um, as we approach the end of the year, I mean, we're just a few days away from 2024. We're far enough removed from the Cardinals season and well into the Cardinals offseason. Do you have a, a general thought about the state of the organization, the state of the roster right now? Yeah, I think they're very much at a crossroads, and there's a lot of things going on right now. I think internally they're kind of reassessing the way they evaluate uh, how they do things, most specifically when it comes to pitching. We hear about them wanting more swing and miss. Uh, John Mozalak at the winter meeting spent a fair amount of time talking about the conversations that are going on internally about uh, develop the development process of pitching because they have not recently done a very good job of producing high-level major league talent. So you have that on one hand, and then on the other hand, you got a team that just put together one of the worst seasons that they've had in a really, really long time, and there are clear roster holes, and they, they're trying to you know patch those as much as they can, and they largely did that with the three pitchers that they signed. So it's a it's a now and later thing right now for the Cardinals because they have this offseason has to focus on what they need to do in the near term to be very competitive in 2024 while at the same time looking at 2023 and saying what does what happened last season say about the organization as a whole. Which is really the biggest question. And as you look at what happened in 2023, and you mentioned the miserable season it ended up being they were last in the division 20 games under 500, 21 games out of first place. The Brewers won the division. The question that you naturally ask is, is this team equipped as it stands right now? And there could be additions that happen between now and spring training, so the middle of February, that they will probably do something else. Don't know how how substantial it'll be, but it'll be something to help the team. Can this team make up 21 games in a deficit um, from the team in, in first, and can they make up that that 20 game ground of of being 20 games under 500? Can they improve significantly going into the season? I think they can, and I think they've done the heavy lifting already with the pitching. I don't think they're equipped to go on a World Series run right now, but I think they're equipped to go on a uh, division winning run. Now let's. We still have to wait. I, I still think the Cubs are going to do something more. You don't go spend that money on Craig Council and then just do nothing of significance in the offseason. So it, it's somewhat dependent upon what other teams are doing. I think the Brewers are going to take a step back. I think the Reds are a very scary team with that young talent that they have. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think they have done enough to be competitive in the division. Yeah, the Brewers didn't really – it seemed like they were in more of um, unloading mode this offseason than they were in trying to make the team better. So I don't really know what to think of them um, because they always surprise me. Every year I feel like, ah, the Brewers can't be good this year, and then they're they're in the conversation by the end of the season. But it, it's the Cubs and the Reds. Those are the two teams that concern me the most in the division. They were just a game apart from each other in the standings. Um, the Cubs went on that run right before the trade deadline. They were close to selling, and then they went on the run, and they put themselves in the in the division conversation. Uh, obviously, it didn't work out for them. The Reds missed the playoffs as well. Just You said they're dangerous. Just how dangerous are those two teams? I think the Reds are more dangerous than the Cubs right now because the, they have the most talent in the division. It's young, unproven talent. 
but that is the most talented team. And talent doesn't always win. Generally, it does. In most sports, it does. Baseball is kind of the sport where you know refining talent is, is as much of a thing as actually having the the talent. But uh, I I think that Reds team is scary. If they go add a couple veteran pieces, and that's a big question. You know, Jonathan India is on the market. Maybe they get something uh, back for him. I've always liked him a lot, and think that he could probably get you something uh, pretty solid. We'll see what they do from a from a pitching standpoint. But if they kind of get some well placed veterans and uh, don't put too much pressure on those those young kids, and those young kids take that next step forward all together this year, I think that Reds team is incredibly scary. This is probably something you've talked about at some length on, on open line, uh, Matt, but with Yamamoto joining Shohei Otani on that monster contract in uh, Los Angeles, uh, Ranji and I have, have discussed it at one time or another, if anything needs to change, whether it would be something as drastic as a salary cap or adding still more teeth to a luxury tax or changing revenue sharing, if anything needs to change in order to try to equalize to some degree spending in major league baseball, do you feel anything needs to change, and if so, or if not, why or why not? No, I there's well, there's never going to be a salary cap. I, I think it's up to the owners. There's owners need to spend more. That that's what I that's my argument. Um, the Dodgers are obviously in a really uh, nice situation when it comes to market size and money coming in and things like that. But there's the the contracts they gave out. Other teams could have also given out. So I don't think it's about putting rules in place. Uh, I wouldn't be totally against a salary floor, but for a salary floor to come in, I'm sure the other side would require a salary cap, and that's just never going to happen. So I I would mostly leave the system as it is. There's a cap in place. You know, if 90% of the teams don't want to get into the luxury tax, well, then that, that's salary cap. So it's, a, it's not a hard cap. But essentially, baseball does have a salary cap because of the luxury tax. When you say that the the contracts handed out here, particularly the Otani deal, is one that other teams could have given, do you mean basically any? Let's put it in St. Louis terms. Do you think the Cardinals could have signed Shohei Otani to that contract without the DeWitt family having to be willing to essentially spend private funds on it outside of the revenue the team brings in? Or do you think within the finances of the Cardinals as a business, that even the Cardinals could have afforded that deal? It's a really good question. Um, I mean, I don't have their books in front of me. Right, so that's why it's I'm saying it just, it's a, it yeah. is a massive deal. I mean, I, I think, I understand your point. I guess the more interesting question maybe that we can speculate on It's not a massive better, deal for 10 years, though. It, right, right. But if, if, you're, if your answer, and I don't disagree, is we need to get the owners to spend more, if not with a floor of some kind, how can we do that? That's the question. That is the question because owners work together to be afraid so often. COVID happens, let's be afraid. Regional sports networks start to fall, let's be afraid. Like it's a it's not collusion, but it's it, when you see one, you know, I think it was the Twins who were the first team this offseason that said that they were going to reduce payroll, and then we know the Padres are going to do it. And the, all of a sudden, everybody's reducing payroll outside of a select two or three teams. So I just, I, I think Major League Baseball owners, for whatever reason, live their lives in a worst possible scenario situation <laughs> where anytime something happens yeah. that could impact their bottom line, they start to mitigate against that 
all the while, revenues like national TV money are going up. Revenues connected to sports gambling are going up. Uh, values of teams are going up. But it seems like sometimes there's more of a focus on some of the negative market forces. We were just talking about greedflation and companies jacking up prices during the inflation crisis and post-COVID and, and, and how they were pushing it just to see how far they could go. Um, you know, saying, hey, we're, you know, we're worried about this, that, and the other thing, so we have to raise prices. It's not dissimilar to what sports teams do. They do a very similar thing where they think, oh, my God, this, this particular event, this lockout or this strike, that's going to kill us. So, you know, we have to be on our toes here, which is kind of it, – it's silly because if every single owner sell, sold their teams today, they would all make money on their investment, a lot yeah, they, of money on their a lot investments. Of money. Yeah. Yep. And and most of these owners are worth, you know, billions, billions. of dollars without billions. the team. Right. Yeah. Um and and by the way, so the Otani deal, I think people are kind when they talk about what the Dodgers did and it, it, there's the chorus of people who 20 years ago would say baseball players make too much and there should be a salary cap. I think that quieted quite a bit over the years as people became smarter on how players are paid, how much money teams make, how much money teams are worth. That cooled. But over the last couple of weeks, after those two Dodgers deals, the Yamamoto and Otani deals, those people came right back out. And there are so many people calling for that salary cap to happen. But, what Matt, what's interesting to me is people are acting like the Dodgers committed a billion dollars next year. It's right. not a billion dollars next year. It's It's a billion dollars over the course of the next 20 years. It is not a crazy amount of money. They're paying Otani 2 million bucks next year and for the next 9 after that. Yeah, so the players association actually values the Otani contract at like 480 or 90 million dollars somewhere. I don't have the term in front of me, but uh they, you know, they account for inflation. So we all know that what a dollar is worth today, it's going to be worth less tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. So it's not a $700 million contract in right. the eyes of baseball. It's a $490 million contract. Still gobs and gobs and gobs and gobs of money, but it's not $700 million the way uh, baseball looks at it. Otani is the only player walking the face of the earth who can take that deal because he makes more money in endorsements than he does on what he's going to make. He makes like $40 million in endorsements every single year. Number two on that that list uh, Forbes came out with it like Aaron Judge and Mike Trout each make between four and five million dollars so Otani literally makes 10 times what the second highest paid endorser in baseball makes so Otani is the only guy who could sign that contract and defer that kind of money I will say this on the Yamamoto contract and I I I think I've got a pretty good track record of saying I like it when players get paid. I want to see a lot of money be spent. The only thing, the only thing that makes me a little bit uncomfortable about the Yamamoto deal, and I think he's going to be a fantastic Major League pitcher, he has never thrown a pitch in Major League Baseball, and he just signed the largest contract for a pitcher ever. Like That, that makes me feel mildly uncomfortable, but it's not something that I'm really upset about. Matt, just with the little bit of time we have left, I do want to mention Mizzou. We talked about it a little bit on Tuesday. Tigers play tomorrow night in the Cotton Bowl down in Arlington against Ohio State. 
A couple of surprise announcements that uh, Ohio State running back Travion Henderson and tight end Cade Stover are both going to play in the Cotton Bowl. Maybe not big surprises, but certainly they weren't guarantees. Marvin Harrison Jr., their star receiver, uh, top projected pick, still hasn't announced one way or the other, but he hasn't been participating in practice. So it's pretty unlikely. I think he'd rather be a Bear than a Buckeye. Pretty unlikely he plays. As a result, though, maybe in part of Henderson and Stover announcing they will play, that line has moved considerably in the last 24 hours or so, and Missouri is now a a three-and-a-half-point underdog, plus 150 on the money line. Do you still like the Tigers to win? I do, and maybe that's kind of a hometown sort of thing here. I just think this game means so much more to Missouri than it does to Ohio State. And, and you look at the videos that are coming out, and obviously I'm not, I don't follow Ohio State on social media. I follow Mizzou stuff. But uh, just seeing everything that's being said, man, it, it really feels like this game means so much to Missouri, and we're not hearing that about Ohio State. That's a big line. For a line to move two and a half points over 48 hours is big, and when you go back two more days beyond that, uh, Mizzou was a one-point favorite, so that's a that's a four-and-a-half-point movement in less than a week, so that certainly uh, is notable. I still feel very good about Missouri in this game. Oh, um, the Chiefs. Let me ask you a question about the Chiefs. We're the home of the Chiefs here on KMOX. They'll play Cincinnati on uh, Christmas, Christmas, New Year's Eve. It'll be a 325 start. Uh, is Taylor Swift ruining them? No. Okay. Are you sure? Uh, the, yes, I'm sure. The fact that they don't have receivers who can catch and make and get separation from defensive backs. So why so why does Trav how come Travis Kelsey can't play no more? What's his he problem? like triple coverage every single time because he's the only guy that can catch a football. And not even he he had a couple drops last week. Why is Patrick Mahomes yelling at the sideline every game? Why is he yelling he, at the, why is he yelling at Matt Nagy bears, every game? Matt Nagy. That guy. Be, I think he has no clue how to handle what's going on with this team Adversity? right now and he yeah. Wow. And he he's trying to show some like leadership, and he doesn't totally know how to do it. I think the lack of Eric Bieniemy, who was like the guy in that organization who kept you know held everybody accountable in a very aggressive kind of way, that's not there. And I I just think this team and this organization, with all the winning that they have done in recent years, have no clue how to handle what's going on right now. And the the physical representation of that is just some of these weird things we've seen on the sidelines. So it's Nagy's fault. Okay. Mm-hmm. Told you. Told you not to get back into it. It made a real big mistake. Matt Nagy. It's going to ruin your whole season. Hey, Matt Pauley. Yes. Appreciate it. I appreciate you guys. Have a very happy... Countdown to opening day tonight, 6 o'clock. Yep. 6 to 8. Myself, Mike Claiborne. Doing our thing. Cardinals talk tonight, 6 to 8 o'clock, right? We're the only place you can get good live sports talk at 6 o'clock from 6 until 8, right here on KMOX. At least live sports talk. I don't know about the good part, but at least live. No, it's good and live. Ain't nobody else doing that like you're doing it, Matt Pauley. Okay. Bye, Matt. Bye. Matt gets to a point where he's he's out. He's done. Nate Gatter, he's in for Amy Marks Cores. I'm Chris Ranji. Uh, Nate was complaining in the office today about superhero movies, and uh, we have some thoughts on that when we come back. Usually, Nate Gatter, uh, Friday, I think you know this, but it is our no-prize pick'em challenge. We do it at uh, 1230 on Fridays. It won't happen tomorrow because Amy and I are both out. Charlie Brennan will be back. 
uh, for the show 10 to 1. You don't but know what Charlie has planned. Maybe he's going to pick NFL games the whole show. He doesn't know anything about sports, he says. That would make it fun. So he is not going to do picks, which would make it better. You guys could just pick randomly. Um, I would like to point out, we haven't discussed it once this week, but last week on Friday, we had our no prize pick them. And I got to tell you, I just absolutely dominated well, for only the second time this year. I have We just finished week 16. I've won twice in 16 weeks. It's not great. We Were beat, there any upsets or did you just pick the favorites all the way oh, through? No, 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 of course not. So I picked, um, let's see, first of all, we went against Joe from O'Fallon. So Joe got, we mopped the floor with him. So he's out. Shamim Clark Hubbard, Alder woman from Ward 10, mm-hmm. um, beat her too. I, I also beat Amy. I just crushed everybody. Who's had a good year, I understand it. She's been okay. Yeah. She's been better than than I would have expected because I don't think she follows anybody but the Chiefs. And she only does that because Mason makes her watch. So, uh, I mean, I picked the Steelers. I picked the Bears over the Cardinals and they won. I picked the Seahawks to win. Man, I did great. So, good job, Chris. That's a little less than I was expecting from you. Okay. I was hoping for a little more praise. Tyler, you want to give me some praise? Thumbs up from back there? No? Dave? No? Okay, come on, guys. You know, just just pump me up a little bit, would you? So <clears throat> the question was asked, and you can read the story on KMOX.com, asking if 2023 was the tipping point for superhero movies. So as you know, and I think everybody knows, Barbie was the most successful movie at the box office in 2023. It was extraordinary. This is the first time in almost 20 years, well, actually longer than 20 years, it happened back in 2001, that the top three movies of the year, none of them were sequels. And the reason that's important is because if you know uh, superhero movie franchises, there's all kinds of sequels. So every year there is a sequel to a previous superhero movie, right? But this is the first time in 20 years that the top three movies were not. So Barbie was number one, Super Mario Brothers movie, which I have not seen, and Oppenheimer, which is great. So those were the top three movies of the season grossing. Does that mean that people are tired of the superhero movies? So the the article makes this point. The story on on KMOX.com does say maybe even though none of these are sequels or remakes, Two of them are based on established brands that have existed for a long time and are huge, right? Barbie and Super Mario are both sort of benefiting from the brand. Oppenheimer is the only truly standalone and truly original film in that sense that it's based. The film is not based on anything on else any that's other. already existing in popular culture and being consumed. Now, right, it's, right, it's based on right. the atom bomb, obviously, which is well known. But being based it's on a true story a is not the same thing as being based on a brand right. that is already for consumption. I do, though agree with the general hypothesis that we are turning a corner a little bit. I've never been a huge superhero movie person, and I do think, at risk of maybe putting too much faith in us, uh, there's a quote in the in the story that says maybe uh, you know moviegoers want to be challenged a little bit more now. We want to see something new, something interesting, something that pushes us a little bit. Uh, certainly, I think Barbie and Oppenheimer fall into that category. I also did not see the Super Mario Brothers movie. But uh, I think Oppenheimer in particular, to me, really stood out and was fantastic. I know I would like to see something 
that I haven't seen something before. unusual, something well, a little th- bit out of a of a trope that already exists. Matt Damon a few years ago was doing an interview and really explained why this happens. That studios don't even touch a movie unless it's going to make a hundred mil right off the top because DVD sales are not a thing anymore. That's part of the equation. So um, I hope we get more originality. I still love the superhero movies. We'll see what comes in 2024. Nate Gatter, Chris Ranji, our three of the show is next. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 